Welcome to Veronica's Real Estate Tips, and this time I'll be covering some important points of the California Residential Purchase Agreement. This is the form you'll be using to make an offer on a home in California when there isn't a county-specific form. For example, San Francisco has its own specific purchase agreement, and I'll go into that in a different episode. And when it's time for you to make offers, your realtor will be by your side helping you fill out the form and send you various documents to sign electronically. The purchase offer is 10 pages long, but it usually comes attached with other disclosures. These are the California Consumer Privacy Act disclosure, the Buyer's Inspection Advisory, Wire Fraud Advisory, possible representation of more than one buyer or seller, and finally, Fair Housing and Discrimination Advisory. The California Consumer Privacy Act disclosure describes how your personal information is used in real estate transactions and how it may be shared between parties. The buyer's inspection advisory tells you how important it is that you do as many inspections as possible and are diligent in finding out the condition of the property. The wire fraud advisory informs you of the abundance of scammers out there trying to steal your money. You should always call the escrow officer and confirm the transfer instructions before wiring the money. The possible representation of more than one buyer or seller informs you that either the listing agent or the buyer's agent may be representing other clients for the property. Side note, it is possible to get your agent to agree to only represent you for the property so you're not competing with any of their other clients. The Fair Housing and Discrimination Advisory lets you know your rights and what can and cannot be done by real estate professionals. Okay, I've briefly gone over the disclosures commonly attached to the purchase offer, let's get into the main thing. The first page of the purchase offer has a bulk of information. First, you are asked to confirm your representation, the agent representing you in the transaction. Then you are asked a bunch of questions about how you will be financing your purchase. Questions like, what amount will your earnest money deposit be? Typically, it is 3% of the purchase offer price. Will you be using cash or a loan? If you'll be using a loan, you're asked to provide the amount, the interest rate, and the percentage points. Your lender will help you out to fill this out. On page 2 of the purchase offer, you can specify whether you obtaining the loan is a contingency or whether your financing is non-contingent. It's worth saying that sellers prefer clean, non-contingent offers. If your offer is contingent on a loan, the loan contingency is usually 21 days, the amount of time it takes your lender to underwrite your loan. Toward the bottom of page 2, you get to allocation of costs. This is where you get into the nitty-gritty of who pays for what. In season 1 of the podcast, I explain who typically pays for what. These costs include escrow and title fees, HOA fees, transfer fees, and some fees that may apply. On page 3 of the contract, you get to which items are included or excluded from sale. If you want to keep the refrigerator, washer, and dryer, make sure to check the appropriate boxes. Toward the bottom of page 3, you get to closing and possession. This is where you write in when the escrow will close, which is something your lender tells you. Page 4 of the contract provides some general information about natural environmental hazards, Megan's Law database, and tax withholding. Page 5 concerns the buyer's investigation of the property and title. It basically explains how buyer investigation works and how the buyer gets title to the property after the sale. Page 6 is about contingency timelines and how much time the buyer has to remove each contingency. There's also an optional checkbox for removal of contingencies with offer, which you can check if you're removing contingencies with your offer. 
I went over contingencies in the previous episode. Basically, they are items that need to be performed either by the buyer or the seller in order for the transaction to go through. Page 7 provides some general information about the escrow process and broker responsibility. Page 8 is an important page because it concerns remedies for buyer's breach of contract and dispute resolution. If you as the buyer sign the liquidated damages provision, you agree to let the seller keep your 3% deposit if you can't perform on your contractual obligations. In the Bay Area, sellers expect the liquidated damages provision to be signed because it makes you look more serious about buying the house. There is another important provision to sign, which is the arbitration of disputes. Sellers expect you to have it signed because then you agree to arbitrate any disputes instead of going to court. Page 9 has some definition of terms used throughout the contract and also provides an optional checkbox that buyers check if they're signing the agreement in a representative capacity. So you would check that box if you're using an LLC or a trust to purchase the property. Finally, page 10, the last page of the contract, is where the seller's agent either confirms or rejects the offer. They may also check the counter offer box, which states that seller's acceptance is subject to buyer's acceptance of seller's counter offer. So at this point, your offer is either accepted, rejected, or countered. Page 10 also provides space to put contact information for both parties and the escrow officer. Thank you for listening to Veronica's Real Estate Tips. I hope that you now have a better idea of what the California Purchase Agreement is like.